It's Uncovered. I'm Anthony Davis. He's Ron Filipkowski. And uh, welcome to another important edition as we expose and uncover the MAGA propaganda that is not covered by the mainstream media. Uh, we are live here on the Midas Touch Network, and you're welcome to join us in the usual way. You can check out the links below for our sponsors. You can message, you can comment, and you can most importantly like and subscribe. Like and like and subscribe. Uh, Ron, how you doing? Good week? It's been busy. Another yeah. busy week. Yeah, well, you are the editor-in-chief of the MidasTouch.com website, so of course you're busy. Uh, a little bit of breaking news is that uh, there was a news conference earlier this morning. House Republican leaders escalated their push to impeach President Biden. That effort has proved to be a bit of a pastiche of superficial allegations, relying heavily on investigatory work that pre, uh, predates the formal impeachment inquiry that uh, primarily implicates Joe Biden's son Hunter in questionable activity. Um, um, but if you tell your fervently anti-Biden base of support that you're trying to impeach the guy, you then have to try and impeach him. And that is unfortunately where they're at now. So they're stuck between a bit of a rock and a hard place. Um, and, you know, I, I think, Ron, you know, it's, it's, it's fair to say, isn't it, that James Comer is the one that's on the back foot here. Well, that's true, because he's the one who really hyped this stuff. Um, and, and I chronicled this last year. Before, you know, the Republicans were supremely confident that they were going to get the majority in the House. They, they were predicting, you know, a 30 to 50 seat majority yeah. in the midterms. So Comer was making the rounds last year uh, in 2022 saying, I'm going to be the oversight committee chair when we are the majority and I'm going to, you know, impeach Biden and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And and he went on all these shows and I, I, I sort of chronicled it for a year when most people didn't even know who he was. <laughs> I only paid attention to him because he was saying all of this stuff. And I thought, well, you know, it could, I guess it could happen. And then lo and behold, now he's the chair. We're, we're one year in and he's accomplished nothing. And yeah. so, yes, he's on the hot seat, very much on the hot seat to make something happen and, and to come up with some solid proof because he's starting to look like a fool. Well, could that not be because he is a fool, Ron? I mean, this is the thing. He he is an idiot. I mean, I've never heard him speak with any intelligence. He he really just is full of excuses, doesn't have much of a grasp of vocabulary, let alone any real interest in humanity. I mean, he is just a Republican puppet without much between his ears. Yeah, and when I say look like a fool. What I mean by that is he, he has always looked like a fool to us. <laughs> I mean, he's yeah. starting to look like a fool to his own supporters yeah. who are getting pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. And so look, he's a one trick pony. This guy has nothing else. He, you know, he's from a rural Kentucky district who could probably benefit from some appropriations and some, some infrastructure, who knows what some government programs, but he's not interested in any of that. He's only interested in Hunter Biden and the Biden family. This to him, this is going to be his claim to fame. He's going to he's going to impeach Biden. Uh, he's going to he's going to be the person that's going to bring down Joe Biden. And and so far, he just looks like a clown. And and so, look, this is what Republicans get in these districts. Many of these districts are poor. They need government help badly. But instead, they send people like him, Lauren Boebert, Marge Green, who accomplish absolutely nothing for their districts. So, so Hunter Biden's lawyers have play, played quite a decent move here. They're saying, look, Hunter Biden will come in at any time, on any date. 
he will give testimony, but it has to be public testimony. He doesn't want to testify behind closed doors because you're going to spin it and you're going to you know, rewrite history. Let the people see in real time what's going on. This is the letter that uh, the, the lawyer wrote. Mr. Chairman, we take, up, uh, we take you up on your offer. Accordingly, our client will get right to it by agreeing to answer any pertinent, this is very small writing, there's like an eye test for me, and relevant questions you or your colleagues might have. But rather than subscribing to your cloaked, one-sided process, he will appear in a public oversight and, and uh, accountability committee hearing. I mean, this is very clever, isn't it? But But just tell us James Comer's reason why or the reasons why he's been saying that he doesn't want a, a public hearing because they're very well they're ridiculous aren't they yeah so when i first saw the letter yesterday he he turned it in yesterday um i i was very uh i was surprised for about three seconds you right. know but then i was immediately i my immediate reaction was oh this is really good this is a really good move you know <laughs> yeah. this is really smart yeah because you know what they want, what what they want, is a replay of the Devin Archer deposition. See, the Devin Archer deposition went so went so badly for them; it was a disaster. And again, who who's Devin Archer was Hunter Biden's business partner, yeah. and he they were trying to secure his testimony for a year, negotiating with his lawyer, jumping through all the hoops, this and that. Archer was being prosecuted criminally, so they had to wait for that case to kind of wind through the court system. Finally, they bring him in. This is their big moment where he's going to spill the beans and he's going to, you know, rat on Hunter. So they do that behind closed doors in a deposition setting, just like they want to do with Hunter. What happens? Comer doesn't even show up. He doesn't even show up. Jim Jordan shows up and they've got their counsel there. Dan Goldman shows up for the Democrats. So the questioners were the lawyer for the committee on the one side and Dan Goldman for the Democrats. So he wasn't even questioned by any of the Republicans on the committee because they're all bozo the clowns. They, they, they're terrible and they know they're terrible and they don't want to be embarrassed in front of everybody by asking stupid shit and have an egg on their face. So they want to do it behind closed doors and sort of have a trial run and then cherry pick. And then, and then what, what see what Comer did is he didn't even show up for that deposition then he went on this media tour all day and all night and was claiming Archer said this, Archer said that. When he was lying, he was lying through his teeth, but there was no clips, no video. All they they, they finally issued a transcript at Goldman's insistence. And, uh, you know, look, th this is what Hunter doesn't want to happen. He's, he's like, I don't want you to do to me what you did to Archer and lie. Yeah. So I'll testify. I'll do it out in the open in front of everybody. Uh, in front of the American people, which would be huge. I mean, so many people would watch that. And, you know, Comer's balking. Comer was, I think he was very caught off guard. He was surprised by this move. And he and he really didn't have a good counter move other than to say, well, you know, we don't want to do it in public because the Democrats on the committee will all grandstand. And Mike Johnson was asked in the press conference this morning some very pertinent questions from the press corps, which was kind of unusual and and they basically said look the, the the period of time that you're talking about here where you claim that that president biden was receiving money and stuff he wasn't in office and so you know what is it that you're actually trying to do here and and the problem with mike johnson is is that he really 
because of the way he looks, I've said this before on the show, but because of the way he looks and how composed he is, and he's very nicely turned out, do you know what I mean? That he can give the impression of of being an you know an authority when in fact he is just yet another you know emperor's new clothes. In fact, I put a tweet out earlier that said extremist religious ideologues who work to get law degrees and congressional seats to hide their agenda of hate, lies and bigotry and many voters don't know the difference. And isn't that the issue here is that people like Mike Johnson who have trained as lawyers and they claim to be somebody that they're not because you know Liz Cheney's been at him recently for saying that you know saying that you wrote all of this stuff about you know the on the opposite side for the January 6 uh, investigation and you didn't actually write it it was written by Trump lawyers there's so much performative stuff going on with these people it's like everything is fake everything is designed to look official but behind the scenes, I mean, do these people ever work? Or do they just walk the length of the Congress corridors carrying a clipboard trying to escape reporters? Yeah, they're just looking for the next way that they can somehow get on Fox or Newsmax. Yeah. You know, there's only a handful of Republicans who really know about the Hunter investigation. Yeah. Probably five or six. You know, certainly Jordan, Comer. Uh, I think Elise Stefanik probably knows some stuff. There, There's a handful, okay? But not many. And the reason is because not many people are interested. You know, it, it's it's incredibly complicated. It's a mess. You know, you got bank records from all over the world, you know, thousands of emails. They, most of them want nothing to do with that. And one person who really doesn't know anything about this is Speaker Johnson. Yeah. Johnson knows nothing about this. So he had his prepared talking points up there. And the problem is what you said was was absolutely correct. The press were asking him very specific, well-researched, thoughtful questions, which went to the heart of the matter. And Johnson had no answers because he doesn't really know much about this. So he just went back to his prepared talking points and ignored the question. So I, I think that they most of them know that this is a boondoggle. They're trying to figure out a way to make Trump happy and make the MAGA base happy and placate them while at the same time knowing that this is a dead-end road and it's going nowhere. But are they trying to run the clock on this, you know, in the same way that Trump is trying to run the clock on his his legal cases? It's just like they, they just see the election that is now less than a year away as this kind of moment in time. They just have to get to that finish line, keep lying, keep peddling, keep delaying, and hopefully after that point, everything will come good for them. They're going to get what, a nasty surprise. What's funny about what you said, the reason why I smile is because James Comer accused Hunter Biden this morning right. of trying to run the clock out right. on the subpoena. So, But I think you're right. I, I think that they are trying to run the clock out. I, yeah. I, I think that they really don't want to do this. Uh, they don't want to do impeachment. They don't want to do this Hunter Biden stuff. But it's sort of like they're 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 too far in now that they can't get out and 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 they're looking for a way out. And and oftentimes in Washington, the best way to get out of doing something is to keep delaying it until the next Congress. Well, just imagine um, if Mike Johnson got up and made the announcement that we've decided to not impeach Joe Biden or not investigate Hunter Biden. You know, that would not play well on Fox. Right. He would look like a, a he's already He's already taken so much criticism for 
doing the the deal to you know extend the the government you know prevent the shutdown and yeah. and and that would be another couple of things that would make him look like he was playing for the wrong team and and you know the thing that's really kind of put him in a box here is is two things a slim majority he's got like a four seat majority and he's about to lose santos so he's probably going to be down to like a three seat majority by the yeah. end of the week and then you've got all these Republican reti- retirements that have been announced in the right. past week. Yeah. And so what that means is those Republicans who are retiring don't care anymore. They don't give a crap about making Donald Trump happy or the mega base happy. They're riding off in the sunset and he doesn't have the votes. He doesn't have the votes to get impeachment to the floor. He doesn't have the votes to hold Hunter Biden in contempt of Congress. He just doesn't have the votes. And so this is the problem. How do you keep Donald Trump and MAGA happy and get things moving when you don't have the votes to make it happen? So I guess you just keep teasing good things to come and you keep delaying and and hope that they get distracted by something else and go away. There's around 60 Congress people that are retiring or not seeking re-election across both parties. I mean, is that unusual that there are that many or is it that just so many of them are old? No, and, and most of them are not citing age or or, or any, they're citing the fact that they think that this Congress just simply can't get anything done or, yeah. or won't get anything done in, anytime soon. And it's just such a nasty, hostile environment um, that most of them just don't want to be there. They don't they don't feel like they're getting anything done. And I think that that's refreshing for them to say that, for them to be candid, because I believe them when they say that, you know, Um, I I believe that they all want to go up there. Well, most of them want to go up there and actually accomplish some things. And the people who are leaving are not the performance artist people. The people who are leaving are the ones who actually want to do substantive things. And they've just had enough. There's uh, one congressperson who does not want to leave. And that is George Santos, uh, <laughs> uh, despite the everybody else's. The best job he's ever had. <laughs> right? Uh, despite all of the pressure to, to make him leave, and apparently there was a, a, a secret meeting where Mike Johnson said, look, if you resign, we won't have to do a vote, and the vote is going to be very humiliating for you. And, you know, he was sticking to it. Let me show the clip, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. There's been a few developments. I just want to ask you about What's your conversation uh, with Speaker Johnson. Have you spoken to him? What was your uh, conversation I spoke like? to him over Thanksgiving. Well, I, it seems like you guys may have spoken more recently than that, according to Mr. Hearn and Mr. Johnson. Yeah, I did, I did speak to him earlier today. Um, there's no, sorry, there, there's no secrets in this place. It's amazing how you all know what goes on. I mean, you have cups over on my walls. No, I just had a conversation with him. He asked me how I was doing and uh, if I had made my decision. And I said, yes. I mean, put up or shut up at this point. You want All these members are pushing this. They want me to resign because they don't want to take this tough vote that sets the precedent to their own demise in the future because they're not immune from the all the nonsense that goes on in Washington where you all follow them around with cameras and microphones in their faces. They don't like it either. So they can keep up, they can keep doing this, but my message to them is either put up or shut up and enough of the charade. Did he encourage you to resign? Uh, no, not at all. Actually, he made, he, made a point to, he made a point to say that he was not calling me to ask me for, to resign. What do we expect to hear from you tonight and tomorrow, or excuse me, on Thursday? Uh, well, you gotta show up for that. Thank you. He's so weird, isn't he? It's just like such a an enigma because you can hear the lies and you can hear the fabrication. You can feel the discomfort. 
but he is just plowing on, isn't he, regardless? You know, everything you see there is the subject of the ethics complaint. Right. I mean, he's wearing he's wearing a few um, layers of the semaphore uh, 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 makeup that he bought with his campaign contributions, which is, is a beautiful makeup job that he had right there. His skin looked fantastic. I have it to looks say. great. Well, it, that's a, he's got that. He's buying that really good foundation with it. Yeah. You and I could, we could learn from him for makeup mm. and, and the clothes. He's got beautiful clothes. I mean, brand new, nice suits, <laughs> all bought from campaign contributions. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the funny the funny part of this is this is yet another thing where Mike Johnson doesn't want to do this. You know, yeah. he's, what a job he's got. You know, he he because the reason the, this vote is so messy because you've already got these MAGA people like Gates and Green and all these others outright upset about expelling Santos. Santos is a Trump loyalist. Uh, they like him. And and they and they and they know that they've got their own skeletons in their closet, so they don't want to set this precedent for themselves. So you know, I I think that you know it's gonna it's gonna divide the Republicans again. It's gonna it's gonna force Republicans to vote to expel one of their members. It's gonna cause division. It's gonna cause rancor. It's gonna be a media cycle. And so Mike Johnson desperately wanted Santos to resign. I know that he met with him after Thanksgiving. He met with him again Monday morning in his office. He he's trying everything he can to get Santos to just quietly go away, and that that's not George's style. You know what? MAGA doesn't resign. They don't apologize, and they don't admit mistakes. Those are three things MAGA never does, and Santos embraces that philosophy. He's not going to go. I I don't think he'll resign. He'll force this vote which most of them do not want, and it's going to further divide their their caucus. I, I just feel this tragic waste of time, like the whole thing is a waste of everybody's time, from George Santos putting himself up as a candidate in the first place, lying to people about his resume and everything else and getting elected. The whole thing, the process of the exposing him and the cases involved and him being, because he was arraigned, wasn't he? So there was that whole drama and just the fact that you know the 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 level of debate the quality of debate in 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 US politics I'm talking about like in the congressional circles and certainly in the chamber i mean there is no debate in the chamber not as i know it from you know uk politics where you actually like talk directly to the person you know you actually cut them down to size but I just feel like if Americans got a window on the world looking at, say, the Swedish parliament, for example, and saw how that works, that's one of the one of the best political or best countries in the world in terms of, you know, feel good, right? It's it's considered to be one of the best places to live on the planet. And, and just to see how these other countries are operating politically. Now, of course, there's always the occasional scandal. But I just get so tired of the fact that, that Republican politics is has nothing for the people it's all about the politicians and what's going on with them and grifting and making money and criticizing the other side i just feel there's nothing that you could describe as public service going on well, and, and they all have podcasts yeah you know they're all selling t-shirts and coffee cups and these are not 
for campaign money. This is for money to put in their pocket. Right. You know, he's not, like you see Democrats sometimes sell stuff, but they're doing it to like raise money for their campaigns. Yeah. Most, most of the time, you know, these people are not doing that. You know, they're, they're running websites. Just not serious. Stuff, Just nobody is deals. serious. Yeah. They're not, they're not there for, to do anything for their district. They're there to get fame and fortune. You know, um, by the way, you know, if we ever I think if we ever did like an English question time style yeah. parliament, yeah, there'd be a fist fight. There's no way that we could ever do that without a fist fight brawl happening. <laughs> well, we've we've seen a couple of brawls almost break out recently. We saw Lauren Bobert and Marjorie Taylor Greene fighting. Yeah, we saw Kevin McCarthy nearly swinging a punch when he was trying to get the votes for his speakership. Uh, we saw that guy that we showed the video of last week who kind of jumped up and pulled his ring off so he could throw a punch. <laughs> I mean, it's and so imagine packing them into like a parliament yeah. which is quite small. Yeah. And them going at it nose to nose. There's no way that that could go peacefully. <laughs> it's just it's just so unfair on the voters. You know, this is what it boils down to for me is that that, you know, politicians should not be there for themselves. They should be there for the people and it should be boring and it shouldn't be dra dramatic. And there should be nothing for the for the media to cover that isn't just policy. And yet all of this is performative exhausting. I mean, I'm happy to sit here and cover it with you. I really enjoy hanging out with you on this show, but I just feel sorry for the people who vote because they get nothing in return. Yeah. I think that's why people tune it out and they don't pay attention. Yeah. And they don't pay attention until election time. And that that's, that's the tragedy, you know, is that people aren't aware of so much of this craziness and nonsense yeah. um, that's happening because they, they just tune it out. Yeah, I mean, like putting out those videos of people walking towards the Capitol or inside the Capitol quietly on January 6th and claiming that that's what happened and then ignoring the videos of the of the of the fighting and the pillaging that was going on at the same time. In fact, Lara Logan has a new conspiracy theory. Let's take a look. Because when one police officer sees another police officer under attack, what's going to happen? He's going to he's going to escalate, even though their job is to de-escalate. And on the same side on the other side where you have protesters when you see women being punched in the face or or hit in the face when you are standing around innocently you have no idea what is happening way up ahead you have no idea that there are paid provocateurs in the crowd who are picking a fight with police and out of nowhere you've been hit with flashbangs and and all kinds of munitions that cause real damage and these are called less than lethal munitions and they're called that for a reason. They're not called non-lethal, Charlie, because they become lethal when used in certain circumstances. So when you look at that West Tunnel where so much of the violence happened, when those munitions are used in that environment, which is a confined space where nobody can go, the police are pushing from one side, and there were people who were, whose job was to push from the other side to capture people in between, what they're doing is they're hoping that people get injured and they're hoping that people get killed because that feeds the narrative. So an information warfare operation has many different compartments, but most importantly. Who is this award-winning independent journalist? Uh, what, what's the story behind it? I mean, Laura Logan is definitely a, a major piece of the MAGA right-wing media ecosystem. And, and they love uh, people who used to be 
legitimate journalists that have kind of crossed over to the dark side. Right. I mean, she was once a very highly respected journalist. She was with 60 Minutes. I believe she was an international correspondent for CBS, I think. Um, you know, she had an incident that happened 20 years ago or so in, in a crowd in Egypt that she was covering a riot and she was brutally sexually assaulted by the crowd um you know her camera crew was either killed or beat up her security team um and and so a lot of people attribute that to what has happened to her in terms of her going from a legitimate normal journalist to a far-right wacko i don't know if that's the reason you know i'm not specialist in that area but she's gone way off the deep end and she's She's pretty popular among the ecosystem. And, you know, she's gone off on various different conspiracies over the years. But her latest thing, you know, for the last year or so has been January 6th. And so, yeah, she's float. And there's a lot of January 6th conspiracies. I, I watch a lot of Laura Logan, but I rarely post her because she's so nuts. Um, you know, she's done a lot of the vaccine conspiracies, too. But the reason why I posted this is because, you know, they just released this January 6th footage and it's it's sprouted a lot of new conspiracies in addition to the old ones. And so she's floating this conspiracy now that basically Democrats hired people to go into the crowd dressed up as Trump supporters to start the riot and, and to start it by punching women and police officers in the face. Uh, you know, it's just a preposterous idea, but, you know, they all they all buy this stuff. In a month's time, it'll be three years since January 6th, right? I think I got my maths really? right. Yeah. And so, so. We, you know, the fact that the Republicans are still putting video out and Mike Johnson taking ownership of, of, of this stuff that Kevin McCarthy did previously, uh, you know, that there's 40,000 hours of video that, that is in the vaults, you know. So no one's going to get to see it all. But the he fact put that... 90. He put out 90. Put out 90. 90,000. We're still... No, no. He put out 90 hours. Oh, he put out 90 hours. Of the 40,000. Right. Of the 40,000, so yeah. Almost nothing. Yeah, you know? yeah. And But isn't it crazy that here we are three years later, you know, 500 people plus have been convicted. Several have been convicted of seditious conspiracy. There, You know, this whole thing, you know, we've seen on video, you know, whether we've... Obviously, the reason that you don't see the bits of them arriving and walking quietly through the halls of Congress is because that's not the money shot, right? You've got to get to the point where you're going to start kicking off. And everybody walks quietly towards the riot because the riot hasn't happened yet. But the point is that we are in a situation now where this in this post-truth world where they are still trying to rewrite history and go to whatever lengths they can to rewrite history. And as the time goes on, because in my view, you know, three years is too long to prosecute the people at the top. And, and, and every day that we are waiting, you know, obviously Jack Smith is on this one, but every day that we are waiting, it gives them more time, more airtime to rewrite the history. Yeah, and, and that's true. And, and so and they and they are right. And, it, and I think it does have an impact. It really does. The more they keep putting this garbage out there. I, I do run into people just in normal everyday life. Again, I, I'm, I'm referencing those low information voters, the, the people who are not political junkies. They're not yeah. watching Fox or MSNBC. They're just, they, you know, they're watching the NFL football and sitcoms. Yeah. 
And and I do hear from them saying, well, you know, I'm not so sure that, you know, the police didn't instigate this thing. I mean, it does have an impact the more it just seeps out. And so it is very important, I think, for the media, for Democrats, as much as maybe they might want be tired of talking about it and they want to move on. They can't, because as long as right wingers are are presenting this alternate narrative, they have to continue to, to tell the truth. Yeah, it's 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 kind of exhausting, isn't it? It um, is. Uh, talking of conspiracy theories, Ted Cruz was one of many who last week when we came on with this this crash at the the border, the, the Canada border had just happened. And, and it turned out to be, you know, a, a couple who were on their way to a concert. But the, the conspiracy theory level was kind of going through the roof, wasn't it? And as we were breaking that news, more and more Republicans were taking it upon themselves to say that this is, you know, terrorism and this is the problem with open borders. The best way that I can explain to you how this works is to to kind of tell you what I do every time one of these incidents happens because in covering the right, because every time there is a mass shooting or a train or plane crash or a train derailment or an incident like this at the border, the, 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 the disinformation kicks into high gear and, and I watch it, how it happens. It always starts with three or four different people start rumors, then it spreads and it spreads and it spreads. And then it, and then it gets to the elected officials. And so I, I watch it when it starts at the source. And in this case, it was a single Fox news reporter who reported that this was a terrorist and they all ran with it, you know, and I just watched it, watch it spread out and spread out. And so what I start doing in those scenarios every single time is just start screenshotting the hell out of them. Cause I know most of these people are going to delete their tweets once they, the truth comes out, but they're just so reckless. I mean, they're, they, with the rumors that they spread with the nonsense that they spread. And I can tell you without a doubt, they, every time that there is one of these tragedies, they are praying, they are hoping and praying that it is a migrant, a brown person, that they can blame it on Joe Biden. That's what they want desperately because they figure if there is a, a terrorist attack in this country where 20 or 30 Americans get killed and the person who does it is someone who came across the southern border during the Biden presidency they think the election will then be over for Joe Biden. And so every time something like this happens where it looks like maybe that's possible, they get giddy and they get reckless and they start posting all this garbage. And we screen, I screenshot it and we put 30 screenshots in, in, a, in a story of, of members of Congress, senators posting lies. It's so inhumane to be a per the type of person that is hoping that people are going to be maimed or killed for political purposes. You know, it, 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 because, you know, I can't get my head around the fact that Republicans are still kind of happy for children to be executed in schools because of, of these firearms and, and that there is no emotional or social conscience to be able to do anything about that. But this is just an extension of that, isn't it? This kind of lack of humanity, this lack of a moral compass where, I mean, it's got to be the cult, right? It's the cult of Trump, as Steve Hassan's book describes, where, you know, you, you are so completely tied in to your supreme leader and the, the movement that you will literally 
kill someone or allow someone to be killed for the sake of the cult. Yeah, I mean, it, and they get indignant when you accuse them of that, you know, of, of wanting something bad to happen so they can blame it on their political opponents. But look, I watch them. Okay, I watch them in their podcasts. I listen to them. I read what they say. They get, if they think that it's actually like a migrant or a black person or something like that that's done something bad, they get really, really excited and really happy. And, you know, if it's a white dude, which it usually is, you know, some redneck with an AR-15, they immediately get in. Their first reaction is not concern for the victims. It's, no. oh, they're going to use this to take away our gun rights. You know, they're coming for our guns. So. Yeah, it, it, it's a disgusting and it's a frustrating thing to watch it play out. But, I mean, what I can do on my end is just keep receipts and keep shaming these people in front of normal people. You know, you're, you're not going to shame them in front of their fans, right. but you're going to shame them in front of normal people. Because you do see they do go back and delete those tweets, you know, after the fact. Here's a here's a clip of what really happened that day. Her and Monica Volani were identified as the victims in the tragic Rainbow Bridge crash on Wednesday. Both were 53 years old and the couple lived on Grand Island. Officials say they were traveling from the Seneca Niagara Casino in a 2022 Bentley Flying Spur when the car drove up a median, went airborne and crashed into a border checkpoint booth. The Niagara Falls Police Crash Management Unit is handling the investigation. They're sifting through all the data right now, and uh, it's the, basically the, the investigation has just started. This isn't going to be concluded anytime soon. They'll look for the uh, mechanical issues, weather issues, uh, whether this was a medical event. On Friday, investigators and the Niagara Falls Fire Department were trying to recover the car's black box, which will play a key role in the investigation. Well, we're going to be looking at every you know, speed, you know, mechanical issues, whatever that black box, whatever information we can get from it. Police are also looking into a Bentley recall that affected the accelerator in Australia. Bentley USA tells News 4 that the recall only impacted right-hand drive cars, which are not sold in the U.S. Surveillance video also played a critical role, helping investigators rule out a terrorist attack and identify that the car stopped at the Seneca Niagara Casino for a few minutes before the crash. First of all, it, was, it allowed us to pinpoint where the vehicle originated from and the route it took. Subsequently, allowed us to, you know, identify the type of vehicle, and from there, we, you know, identified who it was that was possibly in the vehicle. The Volani family released a statement first reported by News 4. They say they're deeply touched by all the prayers and condolences and well wishes they've received. The Volanis are known as small business partners across western New York, owning Guy's Lumber and several Ace Hardware locations. They're a local family-owned business. So, in, you know, you're local, you have their local, local touch. But they're being affected by this in a big way. And it doesn't help anybody, especially the family, when all these rumors or whatever are, are being posted. And While the bridge is back open and things are back to normal at the border crossing, Niagara Falls police say this investigation will go on for some time. For I mean, that's the other thing, Ron, isn't it? That, you know, the police chief there is saying it doesn't help when there are these rumors posted. But, you know, just the the effect on the law enforcement. You know, it's it was kind of nice to hear someone like that police chief talking in a very tempered fashion with experience, knowing how to investigate these things and talk, taking it very seriously. Not something that Ted Cruz did, for example. I mean, you had like 
a Congressman Corey Mills from Florida who took it even a step further. He was calling government agencies demanding that all airports in the U.S. be closed yeah. immediately, yeah. shut down all travel, yeah. uh, that this was a terror. What, what they were reporting was this was an Islamic terrorist. They claimed that it pulled up to the border checkpoint and det detonated a bomb in the car bomb uh, that an Iranian passport was located next to the car. I mean, all just complete fiction, completely made up. And yes, what you said is this affects people. This is just a, a tragic car crash. Maybe the guy was drunk. Maybe he was on drugs. Maybe he was up all night. What, what we know is he was supposed to, him and his wife were supposed to go to a Kiss concert that night, yeah. which was canceled. So they went to the casino instead. And he's obviously speeding. So, you know, that's all it was. It's a car crash. It shouldn't have even made more than local news. Instead, it became, yeah. a, you know, an international incident because of these right wing nut jobs who wanted to use this since it was near the border for political reasons. Some people are so out of reality that anything that happens anywhere at any time, they immediately go down the conspiracy rabbit hole. They don't even consider the, the or, or have any concept that, you know, car crashes happen all the time. You know, and, and this is the thing. And also that people are affected by it. Because, you know, you have to think to the families of those two uh, victims who have had to deal with the knock-on effect of the propaganda and the conspiracies online. It really is not helpful for their grief either. And, and by the way, Fox ran four or five hours of programming nonstop that yeah. this was a terrorist attack. Host after host, show after show. And then with the when the other networks were reporting that they were hearing that this was just a car crash, CNN, MSNBC, only Fox was reporting this as a. And what did they do after when they realized they were wrong? Nothing. Nothing. They didn't apologize. They didn't retract. They didn't say they were sorry. They just moved on like, you know, no big deal. We're on to the next conspiracy. It's like the rules of engagement for a civil society the rules of engagement for covering the news and how you do it, you know, the proper way to go about doing journalism, like all of it has just gone out of the window. And, and the turning point is very much the rise of Donald Trump. You know, when the president is breaking the rules by saying stuff that presidents shouldn't say or coming up with conspiracy theories that presidents would never say or stealing classified documents or inciting a, 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 a violent insurrection... It changes the rules of engagement, and it means that the bar is lowered so so much so that all of those surrogates and people in the cult and Trump voters and MAGA Republicans they will they will stoop as low as him. You know, he he is one of the worst people on the planet, if not the worst. And now he's taken everybody down with him. Yeah, it, it's the that's the culture now. That's the culture of the Republican Party. And it's become the culture of their media, their propaganda outlets is just one conspiracy after the other. As soon as one is debunked, they're already on to the next one. Yeah. And and for people like me who who do the debunking, it can be very exhausting at times. But, you know, we, somebody has to do it. Yeah, because ultimately, and I keep coming back to this, you know, the only way to deal with this is to vote. You've got one party for democracy. And, and freedom where all people are equal versus a party that is, that is led by a dictator where they want you to be one religion, one race, one skin pigmentation, 
and and you know what goes with that is segregation and you know i can only imagine if trump was to win in 2024 the the protests the violence on the streets the the public uprising because of the the, the unfair nature of, of his next presidency yeah. um we have to take a quick pause for our sponsor, but we're going to come back. I want to talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene, who has a book out. She's doing anything she can to get it promoted. And so does Carl Rittenhouse. That's next here on Uncovered. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend you check out Miracle Made's bed sheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding, so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Using silver-infused fabrics inspired by NASA, Miracle Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long. So you get a better night's sleep every night. These sheets are infused with silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets. No more gross odors. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than sheets used by some five-star hotels. Miracle sheets are the perfect gift for your spouse, friends or family. Who doesn't want better sleep and luxurious feeling bedsheets. And since these come with three free towels, you get two gifts in one, just in time for the holidays. Stop sleeping on bacteria. Bacteria can clog your pores, causing breakouts and acne. Sleep clean with Miracle. Go to trymiracle.com slash uncovered to try it today or gift it to someone special this holiday season. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Save over 40%. And if you use our promo code uncovered at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash uncovered and use the code uncovered to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. That's trymiracle.com slash uncovered to treat yourself, a friend or a loved one this holiday season. As you may know, we've been raving about Beam's Dream Powder, the healthy hot cocoa for sleep. Dream contains a powerful all-natural blend of reishi, magnesium, L-theanine, melatonin, and nano-CBD to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Just mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk, stir or froth, and enjoy before bedtime. I've tried it, it tastes great, and gave me an excellent night's sleep. Find out why Forbes and New York Times are all talking about Beam and why it's trusted by the world's top athletes and business professionals. And today, you can get a special discount on Beam's Dream Powder, their best-selling healthy hot cocoa for sleep with no added sugar. Now available in delicious seasonal flavors like cinnamon cacao, sea salt caramel, and white chocolate peppermint. Better sleep has never tasted better. A recent clinical study revealed Dream helped 93% of users wake up feeling more refreshed, and 93% reported that Dream helped them get a more restful night's sleep. 
If you want to try Beam's best-selling Dream Powder, take advantage of their biggest sale of the year and get up to 50% off for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com slash uncovered. The discount is auto-applied at checkout. No code is necessary. That's shopbeam.com slash uncovered for up to 50% off. Welcome back to Uncovered. We really do try all these products, and Ron is a big fan of the sheets, I'm, which I am too. I'm also a big fan of the Beam Dream Powder, and it's, it is delicious, and I do take it before bed. So um, just so you know, because some people say to me, do you actually do these? Yes, we do. We try every product and use them. I have, I have trees growing in my house, of course, sorts of things. It's so great. Um, okay, let's uh, talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene. I know you're a huge fan, Ron. She uh, kind of got into a bit of a situation with Jimmy Kimmel this last week. Hasn't she criticised him before? And, in fact, he claims that she even tried to call the cops on him one time. And now she's begging to get on the show so she can promote her book. Yeah, uh, she filed a police report like a year ago on Kimmel when he made a joke on his show and said uh where the, the joke was like he he played a clip of Marge Green and he said where's Will Smith when you need him right referring to Will Smith slapping um uh who did he slap in the face uh uh the Kim, other rock rock uh, Chris Rock Chris Rock yeah. um so Kimmel was joking you know, maybe she needs to be slapped in the face. You know, something along those lines. Yeah, right. Mar has filled out a police report for like a terrorist threat uh, against Kimmel. So, so yeah, so Kimmel frequently makes her the butt of jokes. So, so Marge is desperate to sell this book because nobody's buying the book. And, and part part of the problem is when your fans don't read books um, or maybe don't read at all, it's hard <laughs> to sell books to them. So yeah. they're probably waiting for the audio book to come out maybe right. um where they might be able to get through it but um so so marge is not doing very well trying to sell this book it's been a complete flop nobody's buying it and so she posted that tweet to kimball you know saying okay well you know maybe she's done all the right-wing shows she's done all their podcasts she's going around she did tucker the other day it's still not selling and, and the reason is because they don't like her this is this is really what she doesn't understand. And I think what a lot of people don't understand generally is that she's not that popular anymore. She had her moment, but what really started it was when she supported McCarthy for speaker yeah. and, and she lost a big chunk of her fan base when that happened, because they rightly saw her as a fraud, as just somebody who wants power and wants fame and wants money. And she, they really felt like that was a betrayal to, to them and so um, and so she's lost a lot of her her fan base. And uh, that that's what that's what she doesn't get. I think she's starting to get it now, I think. So so I guess what she's trying to do is cross over and do Kimmel to try and get some publicity for her book tour. Uh, and of course, Jimmy, you know, responded that he's absolutely not, you know, going to have her on the show. And it was kind of ridiculous for her to, you know, claim that, you know, he's a horrible person and then beg to be on his show. There is little understanding of this of this space because it doesn't get covered of the MAGA Republicans who make all the noise like Marjorie Taylor Greene and how Republican voters feel about those people. 
And as you say, she had her moment. But there isn't really a barometer for that, is there? So so for they can still make all that noise and, and you know, James Comer can do press conferences and all of this stuff. But really, the only barometer for whether or not Republicans are feeling it or not is at the ballot box. And and this is why it's so frustrating that, you know, we, we obviously we got a taste of it in the midterms, got a sense of how people were reacting and Republicans were reacting to these extremist candidates. But we're going to have to wait another year now to see how, you know, the, the efforts of Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and George Santos and, and all of the kind of lunatics whether or not that has had, that has had any impact, because I still think that humanity should win out, and whether you're Republican or Democrat is irrelevant. You are human, and hopefully you can tell the difference between a good person and a grifter or a bad person or a liar or someone who is just out to cause trouble. Yeah, the barometer that I kind of look to is um, do they have coattails? In other words, do do they... When they go to campaign, see a lot of these people in safe districts like Green and Gates and all that, mm-hmm. they, they know that their election is a cakewalk and they're not going to lose. OK, right. so it's the, it's a responsibility of Republicans and Democrats who are in safe districts to go out and campaign and help with money and everything else. The ones that are in tight races. OK, and so what I look to is when people like this go out. And campaign for somebody who maybe can't, you know, they're a new candidate. They can't really draw a big crowd themselves. Are they able to, is she able to go to Nebraska and draw a thousand people for a congressional candidate in Nebraska? And, and, and that's what I look to. And I will tell you that, that one guy who can't is Matt Gates. Matt Gates has tried to do this before and go around the country and he draws no crowds at all. Okay. And so, I noticed that Green in 21 and 22 was drawing big crowds when she would go. So, you know, I I would looked at it like she that's why I said she's more popular among the base than a lot of these other people because she she has those coattails. But that has dried up. That is not happening this year. I and, and part of it is, I think. You know, her leaving her husband, getting the new boyfriend, you know, the the full full makeover, the glitz and glam now that she's embraced, seems to be embracing the McCarthy, the establishment. And I think they feel like she's turned her back on them and walked away from them. And she's gotten too full of herself. And I think that that is now being reflected in her being unable to sell her book. Or it could also just be the point that you made earlier, which is that these people don't have the ability to either read or the interest to read because, you know, they're either too busy working or it's just not, you know, to to have your, your leader put out a book like that. You know, it's hardly the art of the deal, is it? There's, <laughs> there's irony in that message. We'll have to watch the audiobook sales. That would be funny yeah. if, like, the audiobook sales were really good. And yeah. that would actually prove that they don't read. You know? But how's Marjorie Taylor Greene going to narrate it? Because then she would have to read it. <laughs> uh, I, I will be listening to some of it. It's 280 pages. So how long would that be audiobook? I don't know. It could be a while. Yeah, it could be a while. You need to do 10 a lot hours. Of car, a lot of car journeys for that. You could yeah. uh, you could drive to see me. We could hang out. Um Kyle Rittenhouse, who is who is a you know a very divisive character for all sorts yeah. of reasons, his book is out. It has the title "Acquitted: 
Ironically, uh, he you know, shot two people, as we know, when he kind of arrived at this BLM protest brandishing a semi-automatic rifle. And uh, let's just show this clip of him kind of talking on one of these kind of right-wing shows. And he has his emotional support animal with him. Oh, Kyle. Um, I want to first introduce your dog, Milo, and I think it's important that we brought Milo on set with us. We don't normally have dogs on set with us except for my little dogs on Fridays, sometimes when it's Puppy Friday. Um, but we have Milo because you dedicated this book to him. And you not only dedicated the book to him, you have an entire chapter in your book. As somebody who also really does benefit from a therapy dog, um, from some of the things that I went through, honestly, um, on January 6th, um, I want to I want to bring him and I wanted to have him here with you. Your book. Why didn't you say we don't normally have people who shot two people and got away with it on the on the sofa? Who cares about the dog? Anthony, you get a glimpse of my world right there. Right. I mean, um, Kyle Rittenhouse keep it sitting wrong. on a couch with a woman where they're talking about their emotional support, her from what she Went through on January, January 6th, 6th, trying yeah. to overturn the election. <laughs> and, and him, <laughs> you know, he's got his emotional support dog for because he shot a couple of people. Look, I I, I said all, all along that there were a lot of problems with trying to prove that case in criminal court. And yeah. um, the prosecutors were pretty bad. They were pretty terrible. Yeah. I watched most of the trial. The judge bent over backwards for Rittenhouse. But, you know, there were there were a lot of problems with having to prove that. Look, I don't think Kyle Rittenhouse, there's no way he should have went there. I mean, he was a vigilante. He goes there. He's a kid. He's got an AR-15. I mean, the whole thing was ridiculous. But but actual the actual incident itself, there was very good legal defenses, self-defense and all of that because, um, you know, he was hit with a skateboard and all that kind of stuff. So he had some defenses. Um but and it's so become a mascot had he, now. Had That's he been acquitted and gone to college like he claimed he was going to do, right? And and rode off into the sunset and gotten a job, I would never have thought about him again, and most people would not. But that's not what he's doing. You know, he has decided to make this his life and his career that he's going to make money off this with lawsuits, with you know fundraising, with this and that, and now with a book. So, you know. People on the right get upset at me because I pick on this poor kid. But, you know, he's trying to make this his life and his career. So as and as long as he does that, I'm not I'm not going to leave him alone. He he was the star guest at, at CPAC a couple of That's years right, ago, yeah. right? You know, he, he is one of these people who has allowed the, the right to elevate him to superstar status and and you know become a publicity machine and and you know there are there are grieving families that would have something else to say about this the whole thing stinks the interesting part about that is i've watched some of these interviews now on his book tour and he has complained about that actually he he himself has said that he had a lot of people that took advantage of him right-wing people immediately that were grifting off of him and uh you know even he recognizes that meanwhile he's grifting too but you know, they because they're all doing it to each other. Mm. Do you remember him in the court where he was like <laughs> crying his eyes out in the courtroom and that, that kind of went viral as well. I mean the whole thing stinks, Ron. As you can see, I'm in a you know, I'm in a certain mood today about it all. No, I, just, 
look, the part that I'll never forget was when the judge's phone went off in court. That's right. and his, his ringtone was the Trump theme rally tree yeah. theme song. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that judge, I will never forget that. Right. I mean, that, that judge, everybody at the time, I remember that were, were very critical of, of the judge and how the judge handled himself. Yeah. Again, not serious political allegiances. I mean, the fact that judges are appointed by politicians, again, is nuts. You, to you, it's normal because that you're institutionalized into a system that is completely flawed. But go to other countries in the world and see how the judiciary is completely independent of politics, as it should be. It's beggar's belief that it is normal, especially the Supreme Court. I mean, that's the last place that you should have political appointments. And yet to you, it is just a completely normal thing. And yet for me, for, for me coming from, from Europe and looking at how it's done differently, it, it, I cannot explain to you how, how much it grates on me to think of all of these decisions because they shouldn't be called judges. They should be called politicians. And when the media writes about them, they put their political persuasion. You know, why is Letitia James a Democrat? Why should we even know that? How has that got anything to do with being an attorney general? Do you see what I mean? It, it, it just sure. is not normal. And yet here it is normal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it is unfortunate that we always do that. Is it an Obama judge? Is it a right. you know, Clinton judge? Is it yeah, a Trump judge? You know, it's unfortunate, but sometimes, you know, that does show us, especially in the case of like a Aileen Cannon, you know, it does show us their bias. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Donald Trump arriving at the this kind of clip went viral of him arriving at Clemson, South Carolina, the oh. uh, the, the game to these uh, these boos. I'll, I'll show the clip and then we can have a look. <laughs> There's, there's a phrase that is used in the theater for actors when they're on stage called find your light, right? So when, when there's a spotlight and you, you, you're, they're blocking it and you have to stand in the right place, the lighting designer can light you up and then you have to hit your mark when you're in the show. Donald Trump, was he found his light there. The interior light of the vehicle was, was flicked on. It wouldn't normally be on, of course, but he obviously flicked it on. And then he positions himself so that he's illuminated. I mean, it's a. It's very weird because normally, if you're traveling in one of those types of cars, you're sitting in the back in darkness. The windows are blacked out; nobody could see. But the cameras were looking through the front windscreen, which is not tinted, and he is finding his light. Yeah, so there's a lot going on here. This clip, you know, got me in hot water with MAGA again. Um, they they were really upset at me. Still, they're still upset at me. Well, they claimed that w when the car moved further forward and he actually went into the stadium, that he was welcomed very warmly, right? Yeah, well, that's what I mean when I say a lot going on here. I mean, I think I've talked about this before and I wrote an article about this. 
that the Trump advance team is very good at, you know, setting the stage. And that's really what's what you're seeing there yeah. is Trump is watching them work. And what they're doing is they're assembling and lining up Trump fans at the entrance. So when he gets out of the car, they all throng, mob him and cheer him. And and so what he's doing there is he's watching that getting being set up before he pulls forward and gets out of the car. And he, he's, he does this at every event. He did it at the Iowa State Fair. He sat in his car for 20 minutes at the Iowa State Fair waiting for his advance team to get his people set up. He did it at the Iowa-Iowa State game. He does it at every event. It, it's all carefully staged, crafted. But while he's waiting, in this particular case, there happened to be a local reporter from a local news station who shot that video right there. And... Yes, you hear the people booing now. And and she, the reporter who shot that, reported the crowd is booing as Trump arrives at the stadium. So I post that. Now, I I knew that this is outside the stadium and and it it's it was very possible <laughs> that the crowd was booing what they claimed was that the the fans were booing, you know, this the other team as they were running onto the field that that precise moment that's what the trump supporters are claiming happened and they might be right we don't know the point is is that i knew when i posted that that they would be furious and fuming which they were i think that clip got 20 million views um because one thing that they cannot handle is anytime you criticize his crowd size or if he's being booed or cheered and so i i what i've told the boys is that if there's one person in a crowd booing Trump, I'm going to say it was a mixture of boos and cheers solely because I know how much it triggers Trump supporters. <laughs> it's so interesting because really the real story is the one that you described at the beginning, which is the fact that Correct. he's holding off to make sure that he gets a warm welcome. That's the story. Correct. Whether Correct. they're booing or not is really not the point. The point is that he is stage managing right. the situation, as he always does. Do you remember when he used to phone the newspapers in a different voice with a different name? Hello, this is... John uh... Barron. Yeah. <laughs> right, but was it what was the name, Barron? John Barron. John yeah. Barron, yeah, this is, this is John Barron. <laughs> I mean, like, the guy lives in an alternative universe, and this is just more of that kind of theatrical aspect of of his life playing out you know fake it till you till you make it his thanksgiving message was not uh, as we might have been, well actually it was as we were expecting joe biden put out a beautiful thanksgiving message well, i think one came from barack obama like people saying really lovely uplifting thought-provoking things you know why not Donald Trump, in contrast, happy Thanksgiving to all, including the racist and incompetent Attorney General of New York State, Letitia Peekaboo James. Oh, God, he's so, he's so racist. Um, who has let murder and violent crime flourish and businesses flee. I mean, what was your take on this? Because, you know, obviously there are these gag orders which have been upheld and then overturned and then upheld and then overturned and fines for all this stuff. I mean, his, his anger, his retribution, his hatred, and obviously his desire to supposedly make America great again. I mean, kind of lost track as to whether it was great whilst he was president the last time or not. But we're, we're, we're in a situation now where he is never going to be silenced. He's just going to keep shooting from the hip. 
this has become a holiday tradition for me um <laughs> it because yeah. literally every single holiday he does this yeah. he, he every single time so does the pope and, yeah right Right. is there a little different than the pope yeah but you can go into my search bar on my twitter account and type in um trump christmas trump easter trump halloween trump funeral and you will see you know uh these same messages every single holiday he does the same thing there's nothing empathetic warm commemorative appropriate it's always hate and venom and nastiness and so yes it's always a mystery to me how anyone could support this person except for deranged looney looney tunes given what we we see from him i mean just another example is his sister died and he did the same thing all throughout the day he just tweeted nasty horrible stuff about other people and then sort of late at night. And I think what, what always happens is veterans day does the same thing. Um, what always happens is I think one of his aides goes to him and, or, or junior or somebody and says, spokesperson says, look, you're getting killed on social media because you haven't said anything about veterans day. (laughs) You haven't said anything about your sister's death. And so he finally goes out and he'll issue a statement like late at night which he did in his in his sister's case and he and he does it every holiday it's the same it's the same drill so yeah if you ever want some entertainment someday go into my search bar and type trump and and any random holiday and you'll you'll find a whole bunch of them isn't it ironic that his sister was quite a respected judge i mean how 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 did that even happen you know it's it's like the, the atom being split or or <laughs> the embryo being split you know it's just it's so it's so strange, isn't it, that one person can have a moral compass and the other person be, can be completely devoid of humanity. Well, and his other brother, the one who died of, I think, cirrhosis, um, Mary's uh, father, was supposed to be a very nice, sweet guy. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's funny how siblings all turn out different. And, of course, Trump always talks about his uncle who is the MIT scientist that, yes. who is supposed to be very brilliant. So yeah, rubbed off on him as well. Apparently. Things, things uh, skip. Uh, yeah. They skip a generation or something. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. We've got a couple more things to mention, uh, but I want to get to Elon Musk in a minute, but first let's talk about, you know, Trump's authoritarianism because he, he posted uh, a piece about um, uh, MSNBC and he said they use free government-approved airwaves, and yet it's nothing but a 24-hour hit job on Donald J. Trump, again, talking about himself in the third person and the Republican Party for purposes of election interference, and then goes on about Brian Roberts as the chairman, the CEO, and everything, and then basically claims that it should be shut down. You know, the government should shut it down, which, again, flies in the face of democracy and flies in the face of freedom and is an authoritarian stance. This is what happens in, in Russia and in the types of, you know, China, the types of countries where they have a, a dictatorial regime. Do you think Donald Trump knows when he posts this stuff that he's, he, he is presenting himself as an authoritarian? Or is he just so painfully insecure that he just types the first thing that comes into his head? Yeah, probably more, more the second. It's just a temper tantrum from a child. But, you know, but he does mean these things. He's yeah. not he's not just joking around. This is a new plank in his uh, fascist uh, playbook, pla- fascist platform. Um, he has not called before for banning uh, 
a, a cable news network yeah. and taking it off the airwaves. But, you know, I, I Googled this because uh, this post was early this morning and I Googled it because I was curious to see how many mainstream news outlets reported on this. And it's the usual suspects. You know, it's it's us. It's Huffington Post. It's um, Rolling Stone. It's more some of the more liberal outlets. But uh, no, no, you know, you don't see NBC, ABC, CBS. No, there's no Fox. Obviously, doesn't report it. Newsmax. They just they just ignore this stuff. And and I think that they're really doing the country and their audience a great disservice by not making the average American low information voter aware of the, the, the insanity. Again, you don't need to cover everything he says, everything he does. I don't think that you should do that. But when the front runner for president for the Republican nomination says he wants the government to pull a network off the air because they're criticizing him, every voter needs to know that. And, and so this is we're going to keep reporting this stuff, whether the mainstream media does or not. But, you know, the fact that CNN hasn't made this a story at all, you know, shame on them. Well, CNN is under new ownership. And as we know, the new ownership is is kind of peddling and very much kind of both sidesism when it comes to reporting. But also, I would say that American exceptionalism plays a part here. And if and if if you know, you may have heard the phrase and not really understand what it is. And it's worth looking it up even on just Wikipedia, let alone reading a book. And, and and getting to understand how, in my view, American exceptionalism will be the country's downfall. You know, the, the loss of democracy will be because of American exceptionalism. Oh, it can't happen to us. We're the United States of America. Well, yes, it can. And in fact, it's already happened, you know, and, and despite uh, an insurrection three years ago and the and the and the riot and the, this guy stealing classified documents and sharing them. I mean, what needs to happen for for people, not Republicans or Democrats, but for Americans to say, we deserve better. This is not normal. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I people need to pay attention. Uh, I, I don't know what the solution is. You know, people have seemed to turn away from mainstream news. I really thought that a, a January 6th conspiracy trial on national on national TV would go a long way towards what you said and it was very but it powerful. doesn't look like that's going to happen well but but the investigation was televised and that was powerful you it know was. And, and all of the people that testified were republicans you know from cassidy hutchinson up you know they, they were all republicans they didn't have anything to prove and and yet they recognized that their allegiance to the country was more important to the cult than to the cult leader and 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 yet it still hasn't seeped in. And and part of the problem is that, you know, the cost of living is high despite inflation coming down. People do have to work a lot to be able to pay. You know, healthcare is not free. I know that might seem unusual <laughs> that it could be free to you, but from where I'm from, it's free. And it should be free. And in most civilized countries, healthcare is free. People are having to work multiple jobs to afford health care. And that is the reason why they don't have time to watch the news or be engaged in political discourse is because they're just trying to survive, no matter who is the president. And, and you know, there, there are theories that part of the reason that, you know, the country operates as it does is 
They want people to remain low information. They don't want to over-educate people. They, you know, keep people stupid, keep people working, keep people paying into the system. I mean, that might be a conspiracy theory. It's also a kind of a working theory in many universities. Yeah, and and you're right. We we take we take our democracy for granted, and and we definitely shouldn't after January sixth. And Trump's telling telling you what he's going to do in a yeah. second term. And you know what I hear from um, a lot from MAGA people and Republicans is, uh, well, you know, he didn't do it his first term. We you know we still held on to these institutions. Well, he certainly tried. Number one and number two, he's openly said, "I realize I made a mistake in my first term." by appointing all these people who said no and wouldn't let me do these things and i'm not going to make that mistake a second time so yeah i mean the the idea that oh you know well since he didn't destroy our democracy last time he won't do it this time is is completely wrong i mean it might not have been completely destroyed but it has been extremely eroded Right? Yeah. And, and the fact that, you know, even now he's referring to election interference, a phrase that has no place in those sentences when he refers to his prosecutions in the same way that he created the phrase perfect phone call that had no place in that sentence either. You know, it's it's what a solitary man can do to an entire culture still blows my mind. And, yeah. and you know, that is authoritarianism. Um, finally. In a similar vein, Ron Filipkowski, Elon Musk has decided, Mm. you know, after being under fire for endorsing an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory and then these accusations of hatred flourishing on on Twitter or X or whatever it's called, he then goes to Israel to try and smooth it all out. And he toured a kibbutz, which was attacked by Hamas militants, and he held talks with top leaders, even though he's just Elon Musk. He's not a political guy, supposedly. He's just... Um, you know, a richest man on the planet. And then he met with President Isaac Herzog, who scolded him over the content on the platform. And then he joined Netanyahu for a tour of the kibbutz in this rural village. And he wore a flak jacket, which you, <laughs> what did you call it? The Elon Elon vest. Yeah, I, I said they gave him the kid's vest. Yeah, they ran out of adult ones. <laughs> here's yeah, here's a picture. Is, yeah. It's just about covering his nipples. Yeah, got to protect the nipples. Yeah, I mean this uh, this trip was just gross. I mean, you know, and Netanyahu was just gross. And and I like that you know somebody posted something on Twitter saying you know you can be pro Israel and against Netanyahu, and yeah. that that pretty much describes me for sure. Um, and, and you know what what did Musk do? Musk um, tweeted reposted a tweet of of it an old conspiracy which basically the conspiracy is wealthy american jews want open borders because they want a bunch of brown people to come in and become the majority and so they the jews can then rule the country with these brown voters over the white voters i mean that that's what elon tweeted okay and that caused a firestorm you know 75 million in in ad revenue went out the door and he panicked and and what did he do suddenly the head of the anti-defamation league jonathan greenblatt is uh whitewashing it saying oh elon i i you know i looked into his eyes i saw his soul he, he i he's he's redeemed look something happened there he got a check somebody got a check 
He was bought off. I don't care. You don't just in 24 hours excuse that as the head of the ADL. So something's going on there. He's lost his credibility. Then Musk runs to Israel. So he's thinking like, I'm going to make all this better and get my advertisers back with this photo op in Israel. And I heard some people say, well, you know, maybe him visiting this war zone is going to wake him up and maybe it's he's going to see the light. No, the second he left there, he started tweeting more conspiracies. He tweeted the Pizzagate conspiracy five minutes after he leaves uh, Israel. So Elon Musk is a menace. He's a menace to our democracy, to our country. And uh, and I and I and as he rolls out his new cyber truck tomorrow and, and I hope it fails miserably. Well, it failed miserably when they tried to test the impact of the windows uh, when he first rolled it out and they threw a rock at the window and it smashed. So maybe maybe that's what we have in store. OK, we have to finish, but I'm thrilled to spend some time with you again. Um, I'm Anthony Davis. He's Ron Filipkowski. You can download the podcast, the audio version tonight, wherever you get yours. You can rewind the show and watch it again. And don't forget to check out our sponsors who are listed in the description below. Ron, have a great week. Thanks again. Do the same. Thank you.